Yes. Yes, we're live. Amazing. Hello. Hello, Miriam. Hey, welcome to Leportee, your weekly destination to hear about what happens in the hospitality industry around the world. Last week, my name is Miriam, and this is Mish. What we do is dig through hundreds of different newspapers, websites, media sources, uh, so you don't have to. He also keeps you updated on global events, what happened up in academia and software that are currently changing the hospitality industry. Yep, uh, we do, the, you know, we try to add sources. We do, in fact, we do add sources to everything we discuss. However, we do add our own spin on it. So expect our own opinions in this, pod in this <laughs> podcast. All right, let's jump right in. Let's do that, Miriam. What you got? Uh, well, uh, wait a second. Uh, interesting news coming up this week. I think let's start with a follow-up from past weeks. Uh, in fact, uh, shout out to Jeremy Rally uh, about the cruises. We talked about it a few months ago. How one of the biggest, the biggest cruise ship in the world is about to start working. So it has a capacity of, as you can see, seven thousand six hundred people in it. This is what it looks like. Uh, it's. It's a magnificent beast, right? <clears throat> uh, but the more important part is that it uh, basically it's kind of advertised as a sustainable cruise ship because they have, for example, instead of using diesel or anything else, they're using LNG. So it's a liquid natural gas to fuel the whole thing. They can connect, connect to the, you know, the ports and so on and so forth. However, right. So. Uh, the article that you see here kind of talks about the sustainability of it. How can it actually be sustainable? Because previous studies, for example, showed that in terms of CO2 emissions, uh, flying, so per kilometer CO2 output uh, of a plane is half that of per kilometer output of CO2 if you take a cruise ship. <gasps> so, <laughs> so that's not a very positive amount. Uh but I feel like, <clears throat> right, so these studies are from past cruise ships, uh, perhaps because if you more people on a cruise ship, right, then, you know, and obviously also if, uh, right now you're running LNG, right? LNG is supposed to output a whole lot less uh, sort of a variety of different gases that are uh, dangerous for the, for the atmosphere, for global warming. That it might be less, right? Nobody quite knows. I mean, there is advertisements that this is going to be sustainable, but there isn't an actual scientific study of that putting everything together, how much a food output, whatever, everything together it will be to really make this thing work. So are you saying that's pretty much a joke, that article, to saying that the cruise is sustainable? No, well, the article is actually critical, right? It, it goes into sort of the, the past studies and it shows that... Um, for example, LNG gas can also be dangerous, right? For example, LNG leaks, apparently. So that just goes straight into the atmosphere and basically is pure methane in a way. So, um, no, the article is quite critical. I'm just saying the question is nobody quite knows what this is going to be like, right? But that there are good intentions in the cruise industry to make cruise more sustainable. Or is at least a, a try, right? I think it's a try. I mean, also important enough, the the director of the company that uh, uh, built the cruise, right, said basically that you know there was criticism that they're using LNG, and he said back t ten years ago when they were designing the ship, this was kind of the most sustainable fuel they could find. 
So, mm -hmm. so right, the, the, it's not like building a car. I mean, you know, even though, right, you can, you know, still quite a few years of, uh, you know, research and development in, before it really starts. But this thing was designed 10 years ago, right? So whatever they design now could be a whole lot of level. Unfortunately, though, it will be released, let's say, again in 10 years. So, uh, Sorry, can you repeat what LNG means? Liquefied natural gas. Oh, yeah, true. So it's, it's just you take, you know, so it's kind of the same <laughs> gas that we all kind of use, right, for heating and so on in Europe. And you can liquefy it by, you know, um, compressing it so so that it, it's, uh, cool. it, it, you can use, you can have more of it in the same amount of space, basically. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I will be excited when a ship like this comes out with the um, hydrogen fuel. I mean that's it's it's a it's a new kind of thing, right? But technically, when you burn hydrogen, the only thing that comes out is O H two O. Sorry, yeah, so O O two O two just cars, right? just oxygen. Yeah, for the cars, there's already cars that fuel run on this. So, I mean, <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's theoretically they say that it's safe, right? Uh, to because people used to be worried about it that it, you know if it mm -hmm. leaks it, and it will blow up, basically the whole ship just goes turns into dust, especially the amount of hydrogen they might have in there. But um, Still, I mean, uh, the cars are becoming safer and safer, so why not use it in uh, in fuel sh in cruise ships? Shout out to the cruise ships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Seven Wait, it's five, five times bigger than Titanic. Five times bigger. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on from the cruise ship. What's our next thing we have? Well, we have, uh, I mean, let's jump it right into it. We have uh, yeah. sort of the the deal-making and um, the development pipelines. So yeah. uh, recent news showed that basically uh, U.S. has reached like a record high ever in terms of new hotels in development and slash rooms. Um, the last time this a near close to that number was reached was in 2008, right? So right before the financial crisis in 2008. <laughs> Maybe that's also a sign. But uh, um, basically right now, so the end of the last quarter, 2023, there were 5,964 hotels in development, right? So they were going to... But gonna you mean, sorry, let me jump in. Is it in development means they started to be built or they... Yes, exactly. To be built, yeah, they, yes, or... they started to be built. Okay. And 693,000 rooms, you know, in those 5,900 something hotels. Oh, uh, <clears throat> so we, there is a number somewhere where they talk about how 2008 they had, I think, 5,000 something, but it was still yet below the, you know, the sort of 2013 number. And it's expected that this number is also going to grow in 2024, right? So this is... This is quite an interesting uh, data point. And the reason for it, theoretically, is what they say, like it's it's, it's an assumption, right? But uh, is that because interest rates in the United States have decreased, right? Uh, by 25 points. So people have basically said, okay, we can finally take the loans that are affordable for us. And they've started a lot of projects with that. Yes. I mean, okay, I think this is a lot. And I'm kind of curious or like surprised that they started already end of 2023 because in 2023 or like at least midterm or beginning 2023 that right interest rates were really very high still and investors and developers were quite weary about starting new projects because it was more of a waiting phase in that term in that sense but it kind of makes sense i mean kind of goes together with the next article that we found mm -hmm. as well right about um 
how um, 2024, um, the global hotel industry expects to, to see more development. So uh, yeah, they see a surge of 15 to 25%. I mean, I think the investment or hotel investment industry has had quite a hard time um, for the past few years, seeing pandemics and, and increase in interest rate, but JLL really um, projects a big increase in, in development for the next um, for the next year. Um, they see yeah a potential of fifty eight billion um, favorable financing um, coming up in the next year. Again, I think similar similar reasons than what you say why why that is happening. In interest rates are more stable. Also. Um, yeah, the expiration of private equity funds promoting a capital development. So more investment coming in, that money is there and it needs to be deployed um, rather sooner than later. Um, through to COVID, there have been um, investment breaks, so to say, or deferrals. So um, because money was expensive, uh, hotels weren't renovated for quite a long time, or, or two reasons, interest rates increased. So money was expensive no renovations in hotels, but also no revenues during COVID. So hotels weren't renovated. So now you have many assets which are kind of like distressed and not in good shape. So, you know, the sharks are waiting to take over um, or to make, to make value add projects. Um, so yeah, it looks like the hotel investment market is slowly recovering. Uh, or if we go by one, just one data point, it could be that the financial crisis is upcoming and everybody's too excited and then next year is going to be zero development, like it happened in 2008. What do you mean? Expand on that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, but the article that, we, uh, that I showed before, right, it said that last time such high numbers were reached was around 2008, right, before the, yeah. the financial crisis. So <clears throat> you, you could make a false correlation, right? Oh, such high numbers? Okay, it must be a, a crisis coming up, right? But, you know, that's not... Uh, uh, that's not <laughs> it's not factual, it's just a joke. Um, I think, but also for me, it was also interesting that um, sort of the basically the projects that are mostly being developed are upper mid-scale, right? So it's still sort of a middle-class market, kind of maybe what we talked about, like, uh, what was it, Garner, the, the new chain of IEG and so on and so forth, right? Those sort mm -hmm. of, sort of it's addressing the, 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 the middle of the market, right? The majority of travelers. Uh, so it's not in the budget, it's not too high end. While on the other yeah. hand, right, we, we've seen similar data, for example, for United Arab Emirates, for Saudi Arabia, where it's mm. upper scale, like all the way up, that the most projects are in, right? So five star oh. and so on and so forth. So, um, I mean, this sounds more healthy to me when you <laughs> when you're developing for the majority of the people and not, you know, three billionaires who might stay in your hotel. And, you know, I'm obviously exaggerating, but um, yeah. so yeah. I know what you mean. I mean, I was just I just looked at the news again, and I think another reason why I think right the market or the investment market has been down. Not many deals have been made because. Um, investors and owners are just waiting and it's very interesting so um, I spoke to a few investment funds and everybody's just waiting and certain deals have been on the market for quite a long time and you know the companies have made offers for those for those deals and especially portfolio deals so I think you know for the past two years um, buyers and sellers have been analyzing the deals and they they somehow they know now the deals really well 
especially portfolios. So I think also in the next year or in this year, sorry, the portfolio deals might be main, meaning that's a big amount of investment just um, coming up or big transactions just at one point. So I think that impacts a lot these assumptions as well. So big transactions because they had a lot of time to make to analyze them. So in a nutshell, people's people's uh, perception of the market has changed, right? We were talking, me and you were talking yeah. about how you were visiting real estate uh, conventions and how people were very weary and maybe now it something has unlocked itself and people have feel recovered and <laughs> have enough, received enough vitamin D after sitting at home for two years so that they feel like they can finally buy a new hotel. I mean, it, it has a bit of, right, like what we saw in the news this week. It looks like the projections are a bit more positive. People are a bit have more trust in, in, in stable interest rates. And also there has been, yeah, money needs to be deployed, so to say. So yeah, can just have it in the bank account. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, on that piece of news, we can move on to the next thing, uh, which is Let's quite sim which is quite similar. So Hilton uh, has basically uh, created a new program. I tried to look this up to really fact check this and I couldn't find anything else. Maybe there are some minor uh, operators out there that are doing this, but Hilton now has a program called Unlocking Doors, right? So it's, an, it's a program for, you know, hoteliers or in brackets, wannabe <laughs> hoteliers who want to open up a Hilton. You can join the program. I'm sure there is some sort of a wetting process, right? And then uh, you become part of a network uh, through this network, through this sort of program where you can, A, get educational, um, you know, things. To, so basically learn how to run a Hilton. B, you can Same. become part of a... <laughs> yeah, learn well, who needs that. Let's go. Now, um, second is obviously networking, right? You, you meet other people who unlock doors, uh, <laughs> then the C, which is perhaps the most important is you can get access to financing to open, I, I, assume, I assume buy a hotel or renovate a hotel, right? To make it a Hilton or whatever, I guess, you know, part of the Hilton brand. Uh, and this is this is basically done by this um, uh, Foro Holdings. So it's a kind of a uh, company that basically brings in right around 76 different banks and it allows you to basically get a, a quote from all those banks to see who is willing to finance whatever project you have, right? So here you can you know, type in whatever you want and <laughs> let's get started. Let's go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, the, you know, they kind of question you. And the point is, basically, you're part of that network. I'm not sure what the interest rates will be like, right? Because this looks like usually when you, you can just choose an amount, it kind of is associated with really high interest rates. But uh, I mean, maybe not in this case. Uh, so, and I mean, to me, the, the interesting part is this is the first program of its kind, at least amongst the big players where, yeah, they're basically kind of recruiting their own uh, operators and owners and partners. So Yeah, I actually think that's quite a smart, it's a really smart move to, to support um, hotel investment in that sense. And it's a way of expanding Hilton's, right? It's just complete new development strategy. It's super, super interesting. I would love to know how, you know, what the conditions are and how much... Mm, how much money they're actually financing and i mean here it goes so right i think the point is right hilton is not giving uh, the money themselves right so you're gonna have to go through this program i'm sure maybe there's some sort of a discounted rate because hilton's are very mm -hmm. low risk i suppose right compared to if you just do your own hotel by yourself so yeah. i i imagine it would be kind of you know 
different for per person, but, right? But um, yeah, it's much easier to get financing if you let's say you already have a contract. Let's say you already know that Hilton is going to run the business exactly. Yeah, banks are more willing to give you loans if you have an existing. Effectively, contract. effectively, you get an offer, right? Maybe pre prior to mm -hmm. even applying for a loan. This program, sort of going through this uh, program, they already know who you are, right? They already know you're part of that program, you know, the four holdings. And uh, all you have to do is just, you know, fill out the doc documentation, you get an offer. I assume maybe below market average, right? Like I said, like we discussed. And then uh, there you go, right? So you can fill out the cool questionnaire here and boom, you get 8.6 million to build your own. If you want to do it. <laughs> Let's do it now live. <laughs> Let's do it after. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. I, I have other goals uh, in the near future, I think, not building Hilton's. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, so, I mean, it's a simple piece of news, uh, I think, for those who are interested. Unfortunately, right now, it's only available in the United States, right? So you might have to move to the United States to get that program, but perhaps uh, they might get a partnership in, in Europe as well or, you know, wherever. So that's that. Um, okay, next piece of news. You had something interesting for us. Uh... Yes. I mean, so I read this headline, Rise of Urban Resorts in, po in Post-Pandemic Travel. I mean, the gist is pretty much that they want, <laughs> that there is more luxury in urban areas um, and that they want to create more resort-like um, hotels in urban areas because of people do like workations and they work and travel at the same time, at the same time an interesting location for that mentioned in in the article is Rome and they're talking why it's beneficial but also why it is challenging but actually why I took this article is because I read this um, remark of one of the panel one of the guys on the panel discussion it says it is remarkable that the hotel schools have convinced students it is better to sit in a windowless room looking at excel sheets than to travel the world. <clears throat> and I know this might be like polarizing to take it out, just to take that out of the article, but it just kind of like, it bothered me somehow. So I like, yeah, I wanted to talk to you about kind of that sentence as well, about, because I have had many discussions with kind of the previous generation about yeah. the hospitality industry and how like, you know, the young people don't want to work um, in the hospitality industry anymore. And I think this is exactly what it says, right? It says people would rather sit in a windowless or young people, talented people, rather sit in a windowless room working on Excel. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what's happening. But we also know why. It's because you make more money. <laughs> And you can travel, you know, you can travel to Taiwan and work there um, on Excel. And you've still traveled the world and you can actually support your life <laughs> looking at Excel files because the most, like, that's what I think is the issue with the hospitality industry. Because owners and investors make a big junk of the money that in previous years, owners and operators would be the same person. So actually today, operators, people running the hotels, need to give 20% of their revenue to owners. 
right? And that was distributed before amongst employees and owners. So, yeah, it doesn't, it, it's not hospitality schools that are convincing students to work on Excel files. It's students and employees being smart enough, smart enough understanding what is more financially interesting. I mean, he also right, puts in the same statement that we need to become more exciting for the new generation. So there is a bit of a self-awareness there. But it's just just I was thinking is to put this article for this week, but I, you know, I haven't because it's kind of old news is in Germany. There was a study for average salaries for the hospitality sector and they're all below almost every other industry. Right. So. You know, but, to keep it, keep it keep it polite here, right? You can go out there, uh, do data science, do account management. You can do product ownership, make triple of what you're making at a reception desk, and express yourself better. Uh, and actually travel because it's an absolute bullshit that you can travel uh, while working in hotels, right? It's just it's a yeah. myth that you get told. In fact, you get you end up getting stuck in hotels during holiday seasons, working when everybody else is having a holiday. So, um, yeah, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a quite an obvious uh, choice when you have one, obviously. But what do you think, right? Like, I want to kind of get deeper to the source. Why? people don't want to work in hotels anymore. And I feel everybody's better, there's better, there's better, better alternatives. I mean, first of all, right, um, maybe a lot of industries can make that claim, right? So there's just less of us young people, right? Because of demographic uh, shifts, right? So therefore there's less people in industries. So prior to that, so let's say, you know, 1960s, there was a lot of people in a lot of different areas, especially, you know, sort of not in the bigger cities and, you know, they would need jobs and there we go, hotels would provide them. but that's not there. So that's just a, a simple less amount of people number, right? So maybe it creates a perception that people don't want to work in hotels, but it's just maybe that there's less people working. Mm -hmm. And second, I mean, as we said, what's the what's the attractive part? You have to work for 20 years to become a GM to earn minimum wage while you're at it working 12, 13 hours. I mean, what's the well, while me and you both know there's such better alternatives. So that's why during COVID, several people have left the industry found better jobs and don't want to come back because <laughs> yeah but i Why? do think it has to do with the separate owner and operator structure i really think that is a big impact in what hotel way because hotel has become such an interesting investment product right mm -hmm. and so actually the pressure to um, be profitable is so much higher if you have a separate owner operator structure than if owner and operator would be the same, right? Because, but so, but but that would be the case, Miriam. If that would be always the thing, right? Most hotel operators or the big hotel chains do franchises and management contracts, right? They don't own most of the buildings. I, I mean, at least since the eighties. Now, but that's what I mean, and I think during since that has been growing, pressure on hotel salaries has been so much higher than before. And I think this is where, I guess, in the 80s, that trend started as well, right? Okay, so you're saying, let's say, <clears throat> um, <laughs> the hotel chains, it is an M. Uh, I think they own most of the buildings, right? Or via an investor group. So they kind of operate the buildings from a perspective that it is their building. Mm -hmm. um, therefore, people would be more happy there because the operators have more control of the HR practices. Is that the case? I'm 
that would exactly that's what I am saying. But I think for companies, professional big companies, citizen M, they still have separate companies, right? They have um, opcos and propcos, so mm. they kind of still operate by different people and then negotiate between each other, I guess. But I'm saying I'm also saying that previously, let's look at a mountain resort in Austria, for example, run by a family. They own the whole building, they take care of the building, but they also run the place. So actually those 20% that usually would go otherwise to an owner, if somebody else would own that hotel, mm-hmm. goes directly into the owner's pocket, meaning they will take care of the building, they'll take care of their employees, and they'll, they'll pay them accordingly. If I'm only an operator, and I know I need to pay 20% of my revenues to an owner, I have much less room to take care, take care of my employees, to to get them better, right? So actually, you just by separating operations and ownership, you you have less leeway and money available to. I mean, there's also right more people making money here, right? So there's a lot of that is what yeah. you're saying, right? More stakeholders to that take part of the pie. But um, I mean, what's exactly. the, what's the solution here, right? Because um, you know, I mean, you still a lot of owners don't want to operate, right? They they are investors into real estate, and that's it, right? Yeah. So I don't know if that but can be changed me, drastically. To me, that's the source of the issue. I don't have a solution. I just I just point out. <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough, right? So that's helpful, that's part of a pro- no, no. That's part of productive culture. I remember being told in you know various hotels and from colleagues I also worked with in different other hotels, right? Um, uh, that it's always there's a culture of you're not supposed to raise the issue unless you have a solution, right? But sometimes you you meant you see the problem and maybe you don't know the solution, and that's part of exactly. you know needing to actually talk about that. So fair enough. Uh, All right. We'll see. We'll and see. Then- I mean, right? Um, I'm sure there's, uh, the, the, but that's also a positive. I am part of the problem, so I don't no, no, no. But to me, but to me, this is the best opportunity ever, as well, right? For people to come in and offer hospitality products that are exciting to 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 you know hotel school you know graduates, versus let's say boring uh, boring companies that uh, have the same way of working for the past fifty years, right? So I mean, the best survive actually, natural selection of companies. Actually, so. The Hilton solution that you proposed just before, to me, is a solution into that direction, because people who want to run hotels get opportunities to be owners as well, right? Mm-hmm. Hilton will still, or like people financing it, will still get a cut, but the cut will be smaller. They're actually supporting people to run their own business, mm-hmm. which is very different than just operating it. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go, right? That's a, we found a solution. So <laughs> it's good we discussed it. I mean, we have, I have a, we have a next piece of news, uh, and it's a NSHR report. So it's an OTA, uh, and the OTA basically said, "Oh, um, let's. How about we talk about the current trends at the moment?" And they created a report that, in a nutshell, summarizes that. Let's say, put it this way, OTAs are currently actively trying to uh, take away market share from direct bookings. So let me show you quickly. That's nothing new, right? Yeah, yeah, but they're doing it now <laughs> even even more aggressively than they ever did before. 
So um, unfortunately, I don't have the, the screen there, but that's okay. So basically, you have Hotel Industry Trends Report 2024. And in there, uh, they talk about how, first of all, this, this year, uh, 2023, OTAs have managed to take away 3% of direct bookings. So, uh, I mean, it's not a big, big number, but given that there were some of them already own 60, 80% of some, some hotels traffic, that's already, you know, it's like chipping away at an ice block, but <laughs> in the end, there'll be nothing left. Uh, and more interestingly, uh, through marketing campaigns, the sort of uh, cost uh, of ads have doubled, specifically performance marketing ads. So on Google, on Meta, like Facebook, right, on Instagram. Uh, so for example, Google ads, so if you specifically ads towards uh, very unique mark, uh, hotel brands. So, uh, you know, Accor or, you know, any other big company, I'm sure they maybe also target the smaller ones. Let's say you go on Google, you type in, um, I don't know, whatever hotel you like <laughs> that you find some in some city, you know, boutique, uh, villa, something, green, Four Seasons or something. Uh, and basically all the OTAs will try to make sure that their page result is above the actual direct marketing website or direct website of that hotel. And uh, fair enough, they tried to do that for a while, but there's been such high competition between them all now that they've doubled, for well, example, for Google Ads, they, the, the prices for specific clicks uh, for specific hotels have gone up 62%. And uh, for Facebook, 128%. So it's it more than doubled. So, yeah, I mean, they're effectively trying to eat away at, uh, at the hotel, sort of the direct marketing channels. Now, to me, it sounds like a really useless way of spending money, perhaps. I mean, it just I'm sounds sure. like, an, like a, it's going to explode soon, no? It feels like it's coming to a point where also OTAs are kind of putting each other's rates higher just to be the best OT, there must be some kind of alternative for hotels to sell their own rooms by themselves without having to pay 20% to some affiliation, no? I mean, I know that hotels have been doing so much for the past, I don't know, 10 years to try to get more direct bookings. There must be something. I mean, because that just sounds ridiculous. Now. For example, Airbnb has stopped advertising on uh, on those kind of channels because they they made a test from one day to another. They basically turned off the advertisements for Airbnb, right? So it used to be that, and you can still go on Google right now and you say uh, booking, right? So we can do that right right now live. Uh, if you go on uh, on Google, right, and you say okay. I want to see, uh, let me just zoom that in. Okay, perfect. Uh, so I want to go for booking, yeah. So let's go. No, whoops, not booking directly, you but booking? no, I want to find booking the my favorite OTA channel, right? And uh, usually, uh, what would happen is not not anymore, I guess. But uh, you can see here, booking would be it would be on top result. However, it would be advertisement. So they would try to grab traffic away from from. Uh, so making sure basically that you can actually get booking, and I think booking stopped that too now because Airbnb found out. The same thing effectively if people are looking for specifically for the booking.com website or for airbnb or for let's say let's try hrs uh there you go uh 
I guess they've learned. <laughs> Basically, they would spend millions, I think hundreds of millions like Airbnb of just trying to do ad clicks for their own websites because other websites would basically also try to advertise for Airbnb and steal traffic. But people, if they're looking for Airbnb, they're not going to look for some random thing uh, that is looks like Airbnb, but it isn't. They might click on it and go back and still go for Airbnb, right? And so they completely stopped that uh, advertisement, type of advertisement, uh, because it didn't, it didn't actually generate any actual additional clicks. Now, what they're trying to do is, right, uh, if you look in for Hotel Berlin, for example, uh, you would theoretically get you know, a bunch of ads, right? So obviously you're not gonna find, well, I mean, you can find Hotel Berlin, Berlin, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. But uh, basically they would then, if you have a very specific hotel brand, there would be just ads on top, right? On top, on top, on top. But I feel like yeah. if, if somebody has been looking for a very specific hotel, let's say, if I wanna go Motel One, right? Uh, I actually have ad block. Might be, <laughs> might be blocking all the ads in here, but um, basically, then you would most likely find uh, an OTA channel, right? That's trying to steal yeah. the traffic. But I, it, it, to me, it seems like it's ridiculous and hotels shouldn't be worried about it too much. If you have a good website and you have a brand that people are actually looking for, they're going to skip right past that advertisement for booking.com, which Airbnb proved with its own case, if you have a good mm -hmm. enough brand. then And, and basically just, uh, you see, there you go. The next one is Motel on booking.com. But still, mm -hmm. number one result is Motel 1. And uh, the Google search, uh, the engine as well is better at uh, identifying sort of the results that you're looking for. So, for example, if you looked at this hotel chain before, it will also show you that hotel chain again above, right, at any other result. So everybody has custom results. So to me, this whole thing is just um, wasting money, you know. Just make sure you, yeah. you advertise correctly on your website and you have the same prices as everywhere else. Some hotel chains and some hotels still do this thing where they have higher prices on their website than on a booking or on Airbnb or everywhere because they assume that guests are stupid and they're going to basically just try to, you know, <laughs> they're going to try to... No, they're trying to um, put the, the amount of commission that they need to pay on top of their room rates. But that has stopped. I, don't, I think people, I think that has stopped quite... Um... I mean, no, no it, yeah. people, people, hotel chains still still do this where they you go to their website and they have a higher price because they assume that you are going to be someone who's like, whoa, I'm already I'm I just want to book here directly. So they assume they're going to make extra money on you. But actually, all you're going to do is lose customers. So, uh -huh. yeah, so I'm, I'm not okay. personally worried about this. This is a fight maybe between OTAs, perhaps, but not direct bookings and also 3 percent. Sorry. And hotels. I mean, hotels have been trying to kind of get around with uh, pricing parodies and, and things like that for quite a while. Um, I, I'm excited to see how it's going to change. I'm pretty sure sooner or later there must be something happening um, that can increase direct bookings. But all right, let's move on. <laughs> let's do that. Uh, okay, so what we have here is... I think the last piece of news uh, that what you've brought us is Cuba. Um, Cuba wants more Russian tourism. There you go. So Cuba ambassador anticipates a 35% rise in Russian tourists. So just, just, one just one second. This guy here, he just looks absolutely happy. Just absolutely 
Just he's nothing. He doesn't need anything else. That's it. <laughs> Perfect picture. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. Yeah. So how how is that happening? How how can they increase that number? So Russia has been introducing direct flights from Moscow directly to Cuba, thirteen hour flight, and the MIR credit card for transactions facilitating travel. I mean, what is the MIR credit card? It's a uh, it's called Mir. Basically, Russia is you know even before the the war, and before sanctions was uh, trying to um, was basically trying to kind of uh, create their own credit card systems because they thought they're gonna be uh, kind of being gonna be blocked by the uh, the people. Basically, you know, Visa, Mastercard, right? So there's now sanctions in place where it's more difficult for you to use Western uh, banking offers. So, for example, you can't just transfer money from a Russian bank account to a European bank account because it's not, it's not anymore in the case, and because of sanctions. And so they developed their own credit card system called Mir. Uh, I think it was in the end just sort of a Chinese option that was rebranded, as far as I know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that you can you can still kind of use a credit card, an actual physical credit card, and um, you know not worry about the fact that you don't have. A, you know, suddenly you can't all, you know, do transactions with credit cards because it was obviously a big concern before. Mm, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just now I'm thinking already about implementation. Implementation. <laughs> so if you want to use your Mir credit cards in Cuba, that means that all the Cuban restaurant needs to like be compatible with that. If you want to pay in restaurants and hotels. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it's saying, right? Is that they offering that credit card now in Cuba? I mean, I mean, look, Cuba is being really smart. So here, Russian long-term political LF, Cuba has also introduced its mere credit card for use on the island. That's perfect. It's, we, we've had the same, very similar news last week, literally, where North Korea has made a deal with Russia as well, where you can have a $750 package uh, to go to a ski resort in North Korea, all-inclusive. Yeah, yeah, right? So <laughs> this is the same yeah. thing. I mean, Russians yeah. used to be a really big market source for Europe, yeah. for Turkey, for Europe for all these countries right i mean there's always like this thing where you know in a five-star hotel you can always find some russians you know uh with, mm. <laughs> with their fur coats <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. like a um sort of a bit of a stereotype but and now they obviously can't go there or they can but it's a whole lot more difficult right it's more expensive for example to fly to europe now you have to go to istanbul and then from istanbul to europe and tickets are in thousands of euros mm -hmm. right even and it's not really it, it's mostly revenue management it's not because of you know extra destination mm -hmm. and yeah obviously they need to go somewhere and kuba mm -hmm. is just basically saying oh come to us so. Exactly. I mean, tourism is vital for Cuba, right? Also in terms of importing food, fuel, medicine. Yeah. So I guess it's a smart move. I mean, Cuba was always a pretty famous destination for Russians, I think, because Cuba has always been like seen as a friend mm -hmm. since yeah. I know my father was <clears throat> during the time when he was my age, you know, and you would serve in the military because it was mandatory people would either go mm. to afghanistan serve in russia or they could potentially serve in cuba and there was like movements of like internal soviet union movements of for the youth would be like yeah let's get together let's go to cuba and help them out so they would organize groups of people to go to cuba live there for i don't know month year whatever and like volunteer do things and stuff like this <laughs> so cuba has been always kind of a on the list right but this, but mm -hmm. this is now maybe maybe this is going to increase, right? So, 
So the, you can see already 185,000 people uh, and this will oh. rise. So good for them. Yeah. <laughs> the second most tourists in Cuba are Cuba Cubans who don't live in Cuba anymore. <laughs> That's interesting, actually. I would imagine they would not. They would be worried to go back, but I suppose not anymore, right? It's not like North no, Korea. No, I know. Yeah. All, All right. right. Fair enough. Cool. I, th I think on this note, we've concluded our news. Thank, yep. you. Thank you very much, Miriam. Thank you, Mish. What do you think of our background? I don't know where you found that cut again, but it's gorgeous. It's ChatGPT, all of it. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I guess uh, Thank you. have a great week and I see you in a week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.